Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Renew Missouri Executive Director James Owen here at the palatial Renew Missouri Studios in beautiful Northern Columbia. <laughs> uh, with us on the boards, Danielle Wilson in her final month. Tim, can you believe it? It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. I've only been through three office managers in the past year and a half. <laughs> Seems like there's some common denominator. Well, I can't I put do. my finger on it, though. I think it must be you. <laughs> um, that voice you heard is Tim Opitz, our general counsel. Tim, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing well. Are you? Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, we're on take two of this, uh, so that's a real funny story about what happened, but we won't get into it because we have lots to talk about on the podcast today. Now, um, a couple weeks ago, Tim Opitz, General Counsel, Renew Missouri, um, a gentleman, I believe his name was Jacob Puckett. Was that his name? Jacob Puckett? Something like that? I think so. That sounds right. Close enough. Well, he's with the Show Me Institute. And for uh, listeners out there who don't know what the Show Me Institute is, it is a think tank uh, that is funded primarily by, I don't know, primarily, almost exclusively by a uh, billionaire St. Louis resident by the name of Rex Singfield. Rex Singfield's probably a name you've heard of. If you follow St. Louis politics, he invests a lot of money into candidates. He invests a lot of money into cutting taxes to opposing public schools. And now he has apparently had the Show Me Institute set his sights on renewable energy. And in this editorial, uh, which ran a couple weeks ago, Mr. Puckett uh, uses the uh, Michael Moore produced uh, documentary, uh, Planet of the Humans, which came out uh, on Earth Day. Now, Tim, Michael Moore has a bit of a reputation as a liberal filmmaker. Is that, is that your understanding? I think that's, he had, you know, bowling for Columbine, yeah. Fahrenheit 9-11. I think he made another one. Roger Fahrenheit and me. Something. Oh, Fahrenheit 11-9. He, yeah. I, I would say he has a perception of being liberal. Yeah. Populist, maybe. Populist filmmaker. Sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, we can throw out all sorts of adjectives. Well, he has kind of a, I mean, or at least, very least, he has a, he has kind of a, a, a different opinion. He kind of veers away from what the typical liberal progressive viewpoint on uh, environmental issues. Like, I can tell you, for example, that he wrote a book several years ago. I can't remember the name of the book. Probably when I used to read books like that, that just tended to justify my viewpoint on things. But he told people not to recycle, <laughs> as an example, because he it was his belief, without any research on it, that all that material just got thrown away at, at, the, uh, at the dump. So um, that was his, that was what he was telling his readers. And, I mean, yeah, that's, he, he probably took a popular uh, refrain that he saw on TV and yeah. then just went, went ahead and sat down and knocked out a few chapters. But, right. um, you know, I, I've heard that and I've looked into it, like City of Columbia, for example, they are, have a recycling program. Yes. And they uh, have somebody in Columbia who takes certain numbers of plastic and they make widgets or something with it in Columbia, but then they also uh, ship the rest of it to uh, some out-of-state facility that processes oh, the see. remaining. So if okay. you are in Columbia, Missouri, and you're recycling, that is getting reused. 
Yeah, and like, I know like if you're in Springfield, Missouri, if you recycle paper, they have a deal with like Purina where they turn that into cat litter, as an example. Like your recycled paper goes to cat litter. So, so the point is, Michael point Moore is, was um, wrong with a broad brush <laughs> there, we'll say that. And I think you can make that same argument about Planet of the Humans. Now, my, it's important to, for me to note that Michael Moore did not direct this movie. He did not write it. Uh, a gentleman, his producing partner, I think someone who he's been friends with a while, named Jeff Gibbs, who, by the way, Tim, exciting delivery on this guy. He kind of talked like this with all of his narration. He doesn't have quite the dramatic flair that Michael Moore brings, which um, is, you know, one of the exciting things about watching Michael Moore, whether you agree with him or not. Yeah. He does have a certain dramatic effect. and He's a storyteller. Uh, this other gentleman did not. Is not. No, I mean, Jeff Gibbs kind of sounded like, you know, I don't know, I don't know the character's name, but Will Ferrell had this character on Saturday Night Live where he, he had a very flat tone, but he yelled about everything. I don't remember what character that was. I think that could have been every Will Ferrell character, but he was very upset. He talked like this on Weekend Update. He had uh, voice modulation no, disorder. That's what it was. That... Just, just imagine at your high school prom <laughs> listening to Shout. A little bit softer now. <laughs> yeah, okay. So Jeff Gibbs sounds like the guy who did not have any modulation to his voice that Will Ferrell played. So now we can talk about uh, how inaccurate this movie is. And basically Jeff Gibbs has admittedly spent about 15 years producing it and uses material and information from about 15 years ago to try to make his points about current issues, which might be, or I think you could say are out of date. Um, now, because they are, but I don't, I mean, but ultimately, you know, I think his argument, you know, I think his argument is that we consume a lot. We consume too much on this planet. Now, I think you can look at that and say, well, it's, is he arguing for population control? Like he says, so some sort of Malthusian thing. I mean, no, ultimately I think he's saying that we need to take on efforts to consume less power, which listen, Tim Opitz, I don't think I necessarily disagree with that. I think, you know, Energy is necessary, it's important. The generation of power is important. But as you know, this group does a lot of work on energy efficiency, trying to reduce the demand on power, trying to, you know, try to increase conservation efforts on power. We are a big believer in that. Definitely. Now this movie doesn't mention any of that. And, and more importantly, what worries me about this movie, and if you haven't seen it, I mean, folks, don't bother. I mean, but- <laughs> Yeah, we talked about James doing sort of a mystery science theater uh, view of it <laughs> where we would talk um, yes. during it. But I watched uh, most of the movie and I, I was like, this is, we can't work with this. See, we can't. <laughs> and uh, listen, I did, I did a radio show a couple of weeks ago uh, for KKF or KKLI in Kansas City. It's community radio there. I did a Zoom with our friend Bob Groves who runs the uh, Greater Kansas City Climate council i talked about it there i had to watch it for that i, I mean look we yeah we if you want to know more about that movie i'll be happy to talk to you about it you can email me at james at renewmo.org let me just do that again james at renewmo.org the only reason i bring it up in context of the show me institute is because this this uh, editorial uses the film as a springboard which i think is probably the most damage that this film is going to do is that Michael Moore has lent his name as a producer on this film to help his friend out. And so conservatives, or people who are like kind of conservative leaning, can say, well, you know, I don't always agree with Michael Moore. 
but I do on this. I mean, so it's one of those things where you can say, well, here's somebody on the other side of most issues for me, but I'm going to now treat this like it's a bipartisan or nonpartisan issue because he's spouting off these kind of nonsense points that I happen to like. Yeah, I mean, even I think when you do that, I don't think that that's a good faith argument for them to be making. It's not. Right. Yeah, because I mean, otherwise it would just tell you that, you know, Michael Moore is a communist and a socialist and all these other things I've heard Michael Moore described as over the past 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever. Well, yeah, I, I mean, then that was, I, when I watched that, I, and I, I know we don't want to get too into that movie. But here we are. But <laughs> here, here we are 10 minutes in. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't exactly figure out what message they were trying to send, but you know, one of the things that struck me was I was like, this guy seems to just think renewable energy is bad because people can make money off of it. And yeah. to me, that is a silly reason to oppose it because right. uh, money is a powerful motivator, right? <laughs> Some might say it's, it's, it's the most crucial motivator we've got right now. And uh, I think that it kind of uh, made I guess, belie their point that, um, yes, people can make money in renewable energy. Um, yeah. And it is, we make that argument all the time that there are tremendous yeah. economic development uh, benefits associated with, you know, solar energy or wind energy. Yeah. So to, to, the, to the chagrin of some of our supporters, I spend a lot of time talking about the economic development and community development of renewable energy, of energy efficiency, and they think that we should be focused on the environmental aspects of it. Well, folks, look, I'm in Missouri. It's a conservative state, it's a red-leaning state. The economic message is going to always be more important than the environmental message, and that's just the reality of it. And so, yes, for Jeff Gibbs to say, well, I'm really surprised that all of these companies like Goldman Sachs are putting money into renewable energy, or whatever he's saying, yeah. like that. He said it just like that. And, but yeah, you're right. I mean, but he's basically trying to say then that because it is some sort of capitalistic endeavor, it's just as bad as coal or it's just as bad as gas. It's as bad as fossil fuel development if you are to believe his thesis in the film. Uh, I don't believe his thesis. I don't either, but yeah. that's his thesis. Right. I know I'm not trying. <laughs> I haven't just woke up this morning, Tim, and just had some epiphany. <laughs> you you may have fell down the stairs. <laughs> so what happened when we were trying to record this podcast at first? So, so that is a long way of getting to this editorial that starts out by saying, well, you know, does this mean, I think what Mr. Puckett starts out by saying, does this mean the honeymoon for renewable energy is over? And then he starts going into, he references um, the Texas like Utility and Public Policy Institute, which, by the way, in case you need to look it up, gets funded from <laughs> oil and gas interests and utility companies to say that we subsidize, we over-subsidize wind and solar, and it's not sustainable. That's the point of the Show Me Institute's editorial in the News Tribune, which I actually wrote a response to Tim Opitz. Yeah, it was very and, good. And it was in the paper this week. It is not so far anything I can tell is available online. We're working on that. We're going to work on trying to get that available uh, and try to send it out. But we try to make some points. Let's go through some of those. Um, one, the numbers that is cited in here are not accurate in this editorial. Uh, I don't know where they came 
I don't know where they came from, but here's what I know. Uh, you can talk about the, uh, if you go to the Department of Energy, the Trump administration's Department of Energy, they have an information office that talks about the 20 some odd billion dollars uh, that coal get for, uh, for subsidies in a year, 4 billion for nuclear, uh, and compare that to you know, $2 billion uh, for solar subsidies and $1.2 billion for wind, I think is what it was. And it's something like that. But I mean, ultimately, if you look at the government numbers, not only are they much lower than what's reported in this editorial, but it leaves out the crucial context that every form of energy generation receives subsidies. Yeah, I think there's different kinds of subsidies too right um, like for i guess the complaint against wind is they regu skeptics regularly say that well it's only the tax credits that are why people invest yeah. in this um which uh that is a was a significant driver for a lot of uh the investment at the early stages but um, we work with a lot of utilities in their planning process and we look at different um energy research groups and their information that talk about one figure is the levelized cost of energy. Yeah. And we look at, you know, what it costs to build a new generator and what it costs to run that generator. And we have seen that the uh, levelized cost of energy for renewable energy is uh, low. Right. It's getting lower. Yep. And even most of these utilities and groups look at it on a subsidized and a non-subsidized basis. And it's lower on both Accounts. Yeah, very much so. So, yeah, and by the way, one, I, I have, okay, so before the pandemic, I think the last time I actually appeared in the Capitol building, you were there with me, and I got grilled by a, um, by a lawmaker complaining about subsidies to wind. And because he was arguing that we should give subsidies to nuclear. Yes. Which was the ironic yes, thing. Yes, he, he believed that we should be subsidizing nuclear power. Uh, which is certainly his right to do, but I think to say that, oh, we should subsidize one form of power over another is to use another phrase by one of his conservative colleagues, picking winners and losers, which is what they were trying to do there. Now, the other thing I note, too, is if you look at the policies of the state of Missouri, and this is a bipartisan issue, this is not just Democrats, it's not just Republicans, we love tax credits in the state. <laughs> we give tax credits... Like for a while, we were giving out tax credits only second to Virginia statewide, like as far as state tax credits go. Um, we don't have policies that are antithetical to tax credits in the state. I mean, so like, why is it that tax credits for wind or tax credits for solar are bad, but it's not bad to develop historical property for multifamily housing, as an example? Right. Um, well, I, I guess one distinction would be with these energy credits, it's usually federal taxes, but uh, federal tax credits. But I mean, well, but if you're if your principle is if you're creating something, you should have the you know right to the profits from your uh, uh, enterprise, then I would think you would say this tax credits are not really um, a subsidy. They're really just a lower tax. Yeah, I mean, you can make that argument. Right, which so. Republicans like lower taxes, they like typically. Lower taxes, right. Yeah, so the fact that you are complaining about that for wind might just mean you don't like wind, and it's not that you don't like lower taxes. I think there's some of that, yeah. yeah I think there's some of that. So, 
so yeah, so you have the Show Me Institute saying all of that is bad and we subsidize it and they ignore the subsidies that coal and oil and nuclear get. But also more importantly, I think, and this is something we try to touch on in our response to this is, right now, if you look at the marketplace for energy, this marketplace that's going on around us that we really can't see and that we're really not aware of because it's all kind of done by regional uh, you know, grids and that sort of thing, wind and solar are winning at the free market in those circumstances. With the utility companies, are they not, Tim Opitz? Yeah, we've got, um, you know, two prominent recent cases where the commission basically said, yeah, wind is winning because it's economical. Yeah. Um, one was in the uh, Empire, or not Empire, the uh, KCPL and Westar merger, which are now Evergy. Uh, but Renew Missouri's position was, well, you need, we need conditions in here to say that you're going to pursue win. Right. And the commission and the companies in that case basically argued and uh, decided that, well, we're not going to attach these conditions because it is so uh, economical for wind right now that the utilities are going to continue adding wind because it's driven by the market. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean, like, I mean, one of the things I know we were just talking about this before we went on on Mike was, for example, when uh, when Evergy was merging between KCPNL and Westar, and we raised objections that they should be having conditions into that merger to deal with renewable energy. The commission basically said, well, look, they would be economically stupid not to pursue renewable energy, right? Because of the favorable market conditions, right? So there's other examples of that. I mean, like you, well, the, the Empire had a customer savings plan where they wanted to add 800 megawatts of wind. It, right. it wound up getting pared down to 600 megawatts. Right. But in that case, the commission looked at the analysis uh, that was pre pre presented by uh, the company and various parties, and they said adding 600 megawatts of wind energy is going to result in savings of 170 million dollars over the life of those plants. Yeah. Um, so it's going to, you know we talk about revenue requirements. Um, yep. So you kind of get down into the weeds about how that savings is calculated, but it, the bottom line is if they didn't add that win, customers would be paying more. Right. And so, you know, to me, that all indicates that when you let, when these market forces go into effect, when you look at the availability of wind, when you look at the availability of solar, when you look at like what uh, businesses and customers have demanded from their utility companies. I mean, there is, I mean, there is abundant supply. There is pent up demand. And if you look at basic economics, I mean, that's like, that's like, that's where we have the intersection of our free marketplace. And so, yes, are there public policies in place that have helped to encourage this? Yes. Are there public policy considerations in place to still uh, to encourage this. Of course there are, but there are public policy considerations for almost everything in the marketplace to the extent that when you have an, an organization like the Show Me Institute, which, you know, we'll forget about what its real purpose is, but what it says is it's supposed to be like promoting ideas to promote the free marketplace. I mean, they, they are free market advocates. They believe in that. But then in this case, when it talks about like trying to go after uh, the sources that are actually helping to drive down costs, they're actually trying to meet demand, they're opposed to it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a um, con 
internal conflict there. I mean, because yeah. I know that the Show Me Institute has supported things like utility market deregulation. Yeah. Um, I don't know how hard they've actually pushed that. Not very hard. But, um, you know, in concept, that would say, okay, we're going to let the market decide, yeah. right? Um, but now here they're saying, well, we don't want that. Um, we want to just get rid of these other subsidies from this one particular form of energy that we don't like. Yeah. I mean, and, and listen, let me just say full disclosure. We've had me, we've had, I've had meetings with people from the show me Institute, not this gentleman who wrote this uh, letter and I'm not trying to pick on this gentleman. I just think this is again, our, our effort to uh, bring forth ideas to the free marketplace of our democracy. But I, we've talked to the show me Institute about deregulation, about what their pursuit of it is. Not to say that, oh, we're going to go full tilt into deregulation, but as we've said before on this podcast, and as we've said before in, in you know, a lot of our correspondence to our supporters, we see there's some benefit to renewable energy through deregulating the marketplace for, you know, well, for utility rate making in the state. So we've talked to them about that, and they seem favorable to it, but they don't really pursue it. Yeah, I mean, we're going to work. Renew Missouri is going to work with whatever system we have to encourage yeah. energy, but yeah. I think we could we can make a run at it with deregulated. We can make a run at it with regulated. But, yeah. But but yeah, the, the tax credit thing does kind of uh, enrage me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's it's kind of a common trope that kind of gets disseminated out, and so people who don't really follow it, that's just the thing that they latch onto. Right. And like for example. Um, this summer, or not this summer, I guess that was this past summer, mm -hmm. um, my family had a, uh, a cattle, uh, I guess, meeting at their house. Oh, yes. And uh, you came to it, James. I did. I was there, and uh, I got into a, a discussion <laughs> with a uh, former state senator uh, for Missouri who uh, was uh, tangentially involved in the cattle industry. And he uh, kept talking about how renewable energy was horrible because uh, it was too expensive and it was only the tax credits and all that. And I uh, did my best to calmly explain to him because he was a guest at, you know, my family's home that uh, he was wrong. And he, he, uh, did you also say it didn't matter because he was going to die soon? <laughs> or did you just add that later? <laughs> uh, he, so he said, I said, well, our, our conversation concluded with me telling him, well, you have your opinions and I've given you some facts to think about. And he said, well, you, you got your opinions and I got my facts. And I said, that's fine. My facts and opinions will still be around in five years from now, whereas yours won't be. Oh, okay. So, it so I implied it. I implied it. Uh, I'm glad you just didn't compare his opinions to a certain body part. My <laughs> wife was unhappy that I went so far as I did. Oh, you think so, huh? But <laughs> he wasn't going to buy anything anyway, so he was just around yeah. to get a free meal. Um, you know how those Cheap political putts. types are. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Trust me, I do. I've tried to ask them for money. No dice. <laughs> Unless you're listening. So, for so, sure. But, but, I mean, that's just an example. I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing up my how crass I was, James. But no. Oh, I thought I, it was a good story. I, brought, <laughs> I brought that up because um, it's an example of how this kind of misinformation gets disseminated down. Right. And it's just gospel truth to that guy. He couldn't be convinced otherwise. Um, he, you know, I told him what I did for a living. 
I told him how long wow. I've been doing it. I tried to give him facts and talk about different cases and he just wouldn't have any of it. And the thing that he was most mad about was he'd been part of some group in, in a county that was opposing wind farm oh. and sort of sowing a lot of discord. Yeah. And the, one of the landowners there who has wind turbines on their property told his, uh, him and his son that they couldn't make hay on the property anymore. And he just couldn't understand why. <laughs> it's like, well, you're really going to attack this guy for putting up a wind turbine. And then when he says, you know, I don't want to let you cut hay out, out here anymore, that uh, you're going to get mad at him. Just So do you think that like maybe there was some personal animus that went into his opinion about wind? I think there was misinformation initially. And then I think the personal animus came after this guy said, you know, you're trying to cost me a lot of money here and you're making everybody mad at me for having wind turbines on my property. So get lost, you know? Um, I think, you know, if you wanted my opinion, Tim, I think I you were, want your opinion. I think it was perfectly reasonable what you said to him. Uh, <laughs> modern medicine has advanced, so I may be wrong about that five years. So Yeah. He could very well be listening now and now being mad at me because I'm just stirring all this up again. Sure. You think he's listening to podcasts? I would be. <laughs> uh, I don't think podcasts about renewable energy. Yeah, you know, he's like tuned into Spotify. <laughs> well, we do cover politics a lot, so maybe. That's true. I'm sure that in the millions of listeners we have, he might very well be one of them. Well, yeah, so to address that sort of information, I thought your article was very good. Oh, it thanks. Published in Jefferson City. Yes. Um, it, probably won't change minds that aren't willing to be changed, but I think it's good for, for the majority of people out there who are reasonable and may just not work in this every day for them to right. experience, uh, you know, a counter perspective there. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the challenges, I mean, like, look, I mean, we are the only organization in Missouri doing this. So when it comes to Missouri politics, we're really the only ones that are really paying attention to things like this. I mean, to be fair, I got this from a, another environmental lobbyist. I mean, he's obviously paying attention to it too. Uh, so I shouldn't say that, but we're, you know, we're the ones that are, you know, making the point. It is our job. We get paid to do these things. It helps that I believe it. <laughs> I'm not trying to say or say like, oh yeah, I'm just in the pocket of big solar. But, um, you know, so when you're, when you're dealing with this, you're, you're going up against, and I mean, and this is how it feels sometimes. I'm going up against talk radio. I'm going up against cable news. I'm going up against uh, the internet and memes on Facebook. And so all this information, all this noise gets out there of information, which I mean, I think it's safe to say that we probably have perhaps too much information out there. I, I think Nate Silver calls it the signal and the noise, right? There's a lot of noise out there. But there's only one signal, or there's only a few signals that are actually providing accurate information. Um, did I did I, I stump you on that one? <laughs> there is a lot of information out there, and it can be hard to discern which should be followed. Yeah, and so you know when I see this, it you know I don't I'm not necessarily know I'm going to reach to the same people that saw that or saw something on. Facebook or heard something about Solyndra on the Mark Levin show. I, you know, I, I literally don't know how to keep up with it. The best we can do 
is we respond, we put out our own information, we try to talk about the uh, economic and non-economic benefits of renewable energy and energy efficiency. Uh, we do our little newsletters, um, we lobby, we do all that stuff in hopes that there is a little bit of sanity going up against all these other things that you're hearing. Yes. I don't want to, I don't want a medal, I don't want a statue. Good thing, because Statues, down in 20 years. statues aren't in vogue right now, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I, but I do think that it is, I mean, especially, and then it is rough when you see, um, you know, a celebrity like Michael Moore uh, use his credibility, which I think he has a lot of credibility with liberals, to go and make an argument against renewable energy that has a lot of old, outdated information on it. And so then it just becomes, oh, I heard Michael Moore made a movie and it's bad. Uh, and it talks about how renewable energies are bad. So maybe I think renewable energy is bad and that's all people hear. Um, yeah, I mean, we have uh, only a limited number of options right now of how we're going to get power. And so yeah. if you like using your iPhone or your computer. Oh, and I do like using uh, both those things, Sam. these podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, think about how much energy you're spending listening to this. You're going to need <laughs> energy generated from somewhere. So uh, yeah, unless we, you live in a yurt, we uh, focus on renewable energy because we believe it's least cost, yep. and it has the benefit of uh, being renewable and, and yeah. environmental. Yeah, Redu um, reduce. I mean, it has at least sorts of benefits: reducing the carbon footprint, reducing uh, friction and stress on a grid. I mean, it's got, I mean, like, in my opinion, there's a lot of arguments you can make that this is, a, this is a partial solution to a lot of problems we've got going on that we're trying to address in this country on this planet. Synergy. Synergy. That's right. And so, you know, what, what was really, what, what I thought was interesting, and the only reason I've devoted as much energy, pardon the pun, to this as I can, is because when you see the Show Me Institute, referencing Michael Moore to make a common argument about something, that to me says, okay, well, you know, we have to really step up and say, that is, that is problematic information for this reason and this reason, and here are the facts. And that's why we have to do this, Tim Opitz. Yeah. So, any other things on your mind? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, People, if they want to talk about tax credits uh, or mm -hmm. subsidies, I think it should be done in an honest way. Yeah. Right? I think that those are debates that we can have because I think yeah. there are plenty of people out there who say, even if you are subsidizing renewable energy to a greater extent, we should be doing that to right. advance innovation. You know, yeah. uh, a prominent example of, of government intervention adding to innovation was um, that people reference quite a bit is uh, fracking. Now, I know a lot of environmentalists might not want to hear that, right. but um, guess what? Um, the US DOE was heavily involved in developing fracking. It was. And turned it over to this Texas oil man, and he uh, made it explode, as yeah. it were, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and so now it's all over the place. And right. it's driven down natural gas prices, and um, whether we like it or not, it's helped facilitate addition of wind. Because as people talk about renewable energy are intermittent resources and our storage is gaining traction, yep. but um, we're not quite there yet. So it's um, 
a lot of these things for a diverse portfolio um, are progress. Um, we're yeah. not gonna. It's not overnight. We're not gonna cure everything overnight. But I think um, you know, did we improve today? I think we did improve today. Yeah. Are we improving? Hopefully, we can continue to improve tomorrow. Yeah. And the next day. And the yeah. next day. Nothing's perfect. Right. Except for maybe you, Tim Opitz. <laughs> I think that's very insightful and very thoughtful. And I'm sorry I brought up your transgression with that <laughs> gentleman from Northwest Missouri. But, uh, uh, <laughs> well, he, he and I did leave on good terms. Um, we each told each other whether we were just saying it through gritted teeth that we appreciated each other's insight. So I no think, duels I think out his, there. His, his experience in politics <laughs> and my... Uh, worry that um, Sabrina would um, yell at me. Uh, Your wife made me be diplomatic yeah. enough that that we left on good terms. So it, it turned out all right. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I mean, look, I've I've had some unpleasant conversations with people. Like when I talk about that lawmaker that I had that kind of testy exchange with in um, in in the Capitol. It was John Black, representative from Marshfield, where I'm from, who I've known for a long time. And I mean, it seemed like he might have been ready to jump me about renewable energy, but I also was very critical of his bill that he was very proud of. So I don't hold that against him, and I certainly hope he doesn't hold it against me. He probably does, but that's okay. I mean, because I think ultimately, I think these conversations are good. I think that it is important to challenge this stuff. I mean, I was reading, um, I think it was about a month ago, there was some effort to take this movie down off of YouTube to like ban it. And I don't know. I like, like, I kind of, like, kind of raised a libertarian or kind of civil uh, libertarian eyebrow on that, and thought, "Oh, that seems like a bad idea. You don't want to like silence someone just because you don't agree with their opinion." Um, well, it wasn't hate speech. It wasn't inciting right. violence or anything like right. that. It was just dumb. It was dumb. And people have the right <laughs> to say dumb things. Believe it or not, they do. And you know, believe it or not, uh, yeah. I mean, I know you probably don't hear anyone say anything stupid. Uh, but that's what that's one of the things, you know, I know we have a lot of challenges in this country and we have a lot of rights that we still have to fight for. But, you know, that is one of them that we should still be fighting for because it's good that some of us get it. Some of us don't get it as much and some of us are having limitations on our speech. Um, but, you know, it's a good thing. It's a good thing about this country that we have that ability. Marketplace of ideas. Marketplace of ideas. Tim Opitz, thanks for participating and allowing me to soil your good name on this podcast. <laughs> um, Danielle, thank you for running the boards on this. And um, I will just uh, sign off by saying thank you all for listening to Renew Gurus. If you like what you hear, go subscribe to us on one of the uh, major platforms that we're on. Go share this on your social media pages uh, and write a positive review. Don't write a negative review because that doesn't do any good. Yeah, we'll just delete that. We'll and we don't it. care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that opinion's dumb. And so we're going to censor it. <laughs> uh, but for now, for now, uh, this is uh, Renew Guru signing off and wishing you a happy tomorrow.